This episode is not sponsored, but we encourage you to help support the small businesses, charities and organisations that we mention. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Our Circle. I'm Jess. And I'm Rhiannon. And today we are welcoming someone who's really close to my heart, part of my circle. Um, She's a secondary English teacher, a joint young carers lead and deputy head of house. Um, One of my best friends and also the godmother to my daughter, Al. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I've been really excited about joining you both. Oh, we're so excited to have you. So tell us a bit more. How did you get into teaching? Like, how long have you been a teacher for? So um, I'm in my NQT year now and I did something. I know, Jess, I've spoken to you about this before and obviously you've been with me on my journey as well. But I did something called Teach First. Um, So it's a graduate programme and it trains you basically over two years um, to become a teacher. So I started that not last year, the year before. And then they basically train you um, over summer for five weeks. Really intensive training so I moved from Cardiff um where I went to uni obviously Jess we went to uni there together mm-hmm. um, and trained for five weeks over summer and then they just drop you in a school and um, place you in a school and you're teaching on your own from day one um so it was absolutely insane that's terrifying <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's mad and it's di- so it's different to a PGCE because a PGCE you kind of go to uni and then they kind of hold your hand a little bit more and you shadow and then you kind of joint teach and it's over several months but teach first is much more intensive because they're just- learning on the job yeah it is <laughs> and it's not it's not for everybody like it's mm actually insane like so so mad and so many of my friends now who I did the program with they had come straight from uni so they literally had no teaching experience whatsoever and thankfully for me worked in a school before and had two years after I graduated uni before kind of deciding that teaching was possibly a path I wanted to go down but it was yeah it's really mad but it worked really well for me because I prefer to just jump in the deep end and it's just sink or swim and you just learn on the job I don't want to have my hand held all the time I just want to get on with it and just see what happens so for for listeners who um might be abroad and not uh, in the UK or or even might not even understand how you train to be a teacher what you were explaining is that a lot of people if they want to become a teacher they can do a degree for three years being training to become a teacher where they have is it three years or is it four years so a pgce is you have to have a degree in something first um so for example english psychology um degrees in psychology but then a pgce is the kind of standard way into teaching i'm not saying it's any less but it's it's what people know as kind of teacher training and that's like a master's isn't it it's almost like a master's i think and they okay for one year and then you um achieve uh postgraduate certificate in education at the end of it and then as you're in uni in that year you're in schools and you're put on placements um different schools I think but teach first is different because it's a two-year program and it's a graduate program Mm -hmm. you still have to have a degree similarly to a PGCE but they train you intensively over that five weeks and then fast track almost it's a fast yeah it's almost like a fast track and then you're just working as a teacher so I worked as an unqualified teacher for a year last year um was paid for it, obviously was on a salary and then this year I'm NQT so I still got to pass this year but I mean fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> so what was your degree in before because like how did it go from a degree to then deciding to teach um so I did a degree in psychology mm-hmm. uh, Unlike Jess, I did a placement year. So I worked in Cardiff Memory Team um, based in Landock Hospital just outside Cardiff for my third year at uni, which was absolutely amazing. It was the best part of my uni experience. It was just incredible. And that's what I thought I wanted to go into something medical after um, I did that. And then I ended up working 
with a man with early onset Alzheimer's disease in my final year. So for two years, then I worked with him. Um, and that's what I thought I wanted to go into. I wanted to look at graduate medicine. And then I then thought, okay, I don't know what I want to do. So then I started working in a kitchen in a cafe after uni. And then worked as a learning support assistant as well in two schools in Cardiff so that was definitely the inspiration and kind of um guided me towards being interested in teaching Mm. I remember being a bit shocked though because I feel like at at one point because I we were learning support assistants at one point at the same time and I remember sort of I thought we'd shared the opinion that we weren't interested in teaching I remember it putting me off working in a school, being a teacher, because I was like, just the the intensity of the job, I think. Yeah. Um, not that I'm someone who just wants an easy life yeah, yeah, <laughs> per yeah. se, but I was like, I don't think this is for me. And I don't, you know, I don't like the idea of not being able to switch off from your job. Like any teacher that I know still comes home with all their work. Mm, yeah. Um, they are thinking about it day and night, even if yeah. they're lying in bed, they're thinking, right, oh, I could do this. Yeah. in this lesson or you're worried about a child or yeah. you know it's it's a lot it kind of consumes your whole life and that's something that put me off so was it something that you at first didn't want to do but then decided actually I think I could do this yeah I mean I definitely obviously spoke to you at the time and I remember when I was living in Cardiff and the first one-to-one job I had was in a nursery and it was for a four-year-old boy who um displayed various symptoms for ADHD and autism and lots and lots of different things he was an absolute pinball I remember he used to um look me in the eyes from across the room keep eye contact and then run at full pace and then land on my two feet with his feet (laughs) on me like oh my god and then I after that I came back um from work I used to have a nap every afternoon and I was like nap this is not for me and they were just like snotty and horrible and used to like piss themselves actually rang (laughs) so I was like after that I was like no um then I went up to year one and year two I think and did a bit of general TAing which was better um and I kind of took small classes of kids out but I thought then I was like, no, this is not for me. Um, it's just like a kind of stopgap. We'll see what happens. And I was still kind of interested in the in the memory side of things and working with older uh, people. But then I went to a second primary school in Cardiff and that was just outside Cardiff in St. Mellons. And I really enjoyed it. The teacher that I worked with in the class was absolutely lovely. And she basically encouraged me to go into teaching. She said, you should go into teaching. So I was like, well, I don't really know what I want to do. I needed more of a challenge. I wasn't, I really enjoyed the work as an LSA, but I wasn't feeling challenged and pushed enough. Mm. I'm always wanting to challenge myself and learn a lot more. And kind of, I was looking for that leadership role and that management kind of thing. So that then encouraged me to apply to teach first and to see what happened. And then here I am. Do you think it's about the people that you come across? Because I feel like you just you just said that like, one of the teachers you worked with was so lovely. And do you think, were there any teachers growing up that you thought were great? Or like, you know, some people have like, they're inspired by teachers mm-hmm. that have taught them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I had an English teacher in uh, the secondary school that I went to. And I didn't really enjoy school, um, secondary school. And... I just remember it wasn't even the academic side of things as in teaching from that perspective with her it was the safety and it was the pastoral side of things and I just Mm. have all the only memories that I have of that teacher is being really safe and being a warm presence and that's what I want to achieve and that's what I want to give to children I want to provide that safe space for them so that they can be open and trust me and trust adults mm-hmm. the ones that I work with don't have that unfortunately yeah and do you feel like um in order to gain that trust for them do you feel like you need to be a bit more open with them so like if you were having a bad day for example would you show them that you're having a bad day or do you feel like you kind of have to have your game face on as a teacher it's a really really interesting question um and 
there is a lovely and brutal and dry and witty teacher that I work with now and at first I thought he hated me and I was like oh my god this is awful but he he is very much um he's a teacher and there's a there's a a barrier that the kids don't cross in terms of they don't know about his personal life they don't really know anything about him whereas I am the complete opposite like I I share things with the kids because I think that they need to have they need to understand that there is that safe space and if they know a little bit about you they know that you're human and that they see that you're human definitely definitely I think I I've definitely had had points where I have have become emotional in the classroom and I have tears in my eyes and I don't shy away from that. Like I said, I've said, look, you can, you can see that I'm affected by this. So recently, uh, the last couple of weeks, I teach um, a little girl in year seven who um, her father committed suicide during lockdown. Wow. It, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, really horrible to think about. And, and I think kids' mental health during lockdown has, has been really, really affected massively. But this particular student I'd asked them to do a little bit of writing just reflective writing on their experiences during lockdown and what they've learned about themselves and she said can we read them out and I said okay if there's time at the end we can read it out and she was just one of two students that wanted to read that little bit of writing out so I was like, okay go for it so she just started saying that she had learned that she was getting better and that she's finally coming out of her bedroom more and I was like oh holy shit think of something happy think of something happy. oh my god it's making me tear up mm. mm. oh. yeah and um she just looked at me at the end and I was like and everyone was just silent these little yes I was just silent and I was like clapping I was down and she just looked at me she said are you crying and I said no don't be silly but she knew, she knew I was, and I knew I was. Mm. And but it was so it was so lovely. And I think it is absolutely amazing that she felt safe enough to do that in front of mm. me, do that in front of all of her peers. Um mm. it's amazing. And that's that's exactly the environment that I want to create. Well, mm. this this sort of leads me on to what I wanted to ask you actually, because over the past year we've seen just numerous over and over and over again some sort of historic you know moment that's testing to so many families whether it's been the black lives matter movement whether it's been um the yemen crisis it's been I, i've got a list here of the amount of things that have happened we've experienced like the nigeria um sars incident we've had multiple massacres across china and ethiopia the beirut explosion women's safety and equality asian hate crime all of these things we're listing off and it's just so consistent but it relates and affects so so many people across the world but of course in this country as well we do have a diverse um, population where there are a mixture of kids and that are going to be affected by this either their families relatives friends whatever um overseas are being affected by this or or in this country how do you deal with that how are you encouraged like are, are you um are you encouraged to sort of navigate conversations with students towards this to like to, to talk about their um their experience of it or, or how they're feeling their emotions or are you sort of encouraged to steer away from it and just get them to distract them like with school like how how do you how, how has that been how has that been because of course you've got a pandemic to start with anyway for this year but then all of that on top of it how do you deal with that as a teacher with kids who are obviously going to be um, affected by this mm. Um, I think it boils down, which I think the foundation of teaching, I believe very, very strongly is the, is the relationships with the children. And I think if you don't have positive um, and open relationships with the students, then you don't have a basis for, for teaching them. Um, so I think it is, as I said before, it is about that trust, that level of trust and I often reiterate with them, you know, I say I'm not just your English teacher, even though you've got a tutor and I'm a tutor for a different um, class of students, you know, you can come and talk to me about anything. I'm here to listen to you as a non-judgmental ear um, and I always will be, you know, when I don't teach you, I'm still going to be there for you. Mm. So it is just um, building up 
that level of trust and safety in the classroom but it takes so much time and it takes so much work so teach teach first only works with schools with low socioeconomic backgrounds okay so a lot of the children that I work with and interact with on a daily basis they often don't not all of them they don't have you know a supportive home life necessarily Um, or adults that they trust so it's really it's really tough and that kind of materializes itself in in their behavior a lot I think coming back to the question which I've gone off on a tangent I think we're in a really really great position as English teachers because there is that room and space for such open rich discussions in comparison to other subjects like math for example I think I was saying this the other day actually apparently when students are asked who which teacher knows them the best they usually say their English teacher which I think is such a lovely thing and I feel completely honoured to be in this position I always have and I think I always will um it's such an amazing opportunity to see these students grow up and and go through these things that are happening in the world and kind of be there for them at that time as a consistent stable figure in their lives that they may not have at home or they may not have ever had before they know what to expect when they're coming in the classroom they know how I'm going to be they know how school's set up which I think is something that I learned from the pandemic is that students need school they need stability they need security is it is it something though that um your I don't know what your your boss for example they they would tell you to to encourage them to talk about these things when it happens like do you ever have like a briefing about it when something has happened or come up in the news like do you ever get briefed on okay we might have some students who might be affected by this you know try and keep them distracted or try and talk to them about it like do you ever get any sort of advice about how to to go about things like that or is it something that isn't necessarily actually focused on um I suppose I'm the thing is I think from my limited experience obviously I feel like I would have to seek that support um, I needed it like I think it's great because I to a certain degree you you do have some freedom obviously with teaching and teaching styles and Mm -hmm. how you want to teach in your classroom um so it's up to you I mean we could we could Mm -hmm. tie in for example with particular texts that we study that could then lead on to a particular discussion or a poem um you know in in their poetry anthology we might then go off and talk about context and then bring in different things and relate it to something that they're aware of or something that's in the news mm-hmm. um, so for example recently I've been teaching transactional so non-fiction writing and they've been creating speeches and I showed them an example of politician speeches so I might have shown Boris Johnson's speech for example um, and had a look at what was effective about his speech and how he presented his speech and then that might then lead on to different discussions um and it's lovely to see them interact with that and have the opportunity for that to kind of go off in 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 particular directions as well I know when I was working at school we had like quite a traumatic event happen at school where one quite small child got a head injury and had to be taken off in a helicopter and it was in the middle of the playground at lunchtime a lot of children saw it it was something that affected a lot of adults and children at the school and we had brief we had a briefing on it um the next day it was sort of like they told us that the approach should be very much um student-led so Mm -hmm. if the student maybe don't necessarily talk about it unless the student wants Mm -hmm. to talk about it so I feel like that's probably something a lot of the approach that a lot of schools would take because it's almost like well maybe we don't want to if it's not on their mind like you said like a distraction Marie if it's a distraction school don't we don't need to talk about it if this is their kind of safe haven and they Mm. then it's not on their mind but if it is on their mind we should be open to have that discussion and as a class and like you said like you um Alice you said that you wanted to create this safe environment and um, for it to be open for people to feel like they can talk about anything or bring anything to you any topic of discussion so mm. yeah I, I imagine a lot of schools like you said you haven't had the most experience but I imagine a lot of schools would take that approach that if a student came to you 
yeah. I guess, then it should be brought to the table to open up as a discussion. I always wonder, or is there a sort of danger in that in some ways? So I understand it completely, and I think that is the right approach. But I also wonder having, I suppose, if you're a, I'm not saying that all teachers aren't, I'm, sh- I'm sure many are, but if you're not an attentive uh, teacher, you might not notice or you might have students who aren't going to speak up even if they are in pain so I feel like that must be quite difficult when they this is their safe place and it's their safe place where they could talk about this but they don't have it in them to bring it up themselves I think that must be really hard and I'm sure Alice you're someone who is saying that you um you do want that safe space you are you know taking note of how they feel or how they act Mm. and stuff like that and their behavior Mm. it must be hard for a lot of students who don't have teachers like yourself who are looking out for them and their best interests and their just their behavior I I think that must be very difficult for a lot of kids in these situations and like you said ones who might be a bit more disadvantaged at home not have that type of support yeah yeah no definitely and I think it's um it's difficult I think I find it difficult as well I definitely feel such a pressure to progress through schemes of learning and there's not always time to pause I mean there's actually never time to pause really such a pressure to get through a book to get through a play and particularly when you get to key stage four it's really difficult to not um, exist teaching wise in terms of it being exam led you know learning this skill learning this skill ticking this question ticking this question learning how to write a speech learning how to write a letter we have got so much to get through all the time and there's such a pressure not always time to pause and reflect and kind of discuss these issues mm. I think where it can come in is is kind of extracurricular things and extracurricular support and tutor time and things like that mm. I did something called empathy week which covered lots of different topics um and that was during the pandemic so I I led it and we did it on teams with I think it was about 20 students uh, it was voluntary and we learned about lots and lots of different um, challenges that certain individuals have gone through um, in real life, such as immigration, seeking um, asylum, refugee status, um, racism, cultural identity, Black Lives Matter, all of that. So that was such a lovely opportunity for me to come away from the scheme of learning and teaching Macbeth and teaching Romeo and Juliet and getting through the play to ask them what they think and actually teach them and open their eyes to certain things that possibly they don't have time or the opportunity to experience and discuss and more real life as well actually if you think about it not to say that Shakespeare isn't real life that's very much a part of especially this country's culture isn't it and it's it's so reflective in movies and things like that but it's not going to be something that always is hard hitting for a lot of kids is it it's something that they're you know if anything it's a chore so to be able to have those open discussions Mm. about life events that you gave them that chance so I think it's so valuable to them Mm. Mm. and during during empathy week did you feel like you learned from the children at all like was it a two-way thing yeah no I mean I I always I always do feel like that anyway you know they they teach me things um that I don't know as well but it was it was really really interesting so I split it into key stage three and key stage four what age is that sorry I'm I'm, I'm so no, sorry. So key stage three is year seven to year nine. And then key stage four is year 10, year 11. Okay. So I had a lot more year sevens, obviously, bless them, a little keynotes, signing up to it. Um, <laughs> and they were, so, they were so engaged and so passionate about everything, you know, typing their little discussion points on the chat. And mm-hmm. it was so, so lovely, honestly. And the idea of Empathy Week was to learn from these different individuals and the challenges and the barriers that they faced in real life. And for them to reflect on it and talk about it and discuss it and learn about it. And there was one afternoon that um, Eva, a friend who works at the school as well, she led some of the Key Stage 3 lessons for me because I was also teaching all week and I just had loads on. So luckily, bless her, she took on a couple of lessons. But I could see on my laptop, I was in another meeting and the, the team chat kept popping up and one student said oh I feel really sad um I feel alone or something and then one of my tutees um was in it and she replied so and so 
we're all here for you you're not alone blah 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 and I was oh, like oh. my god <laughs> I was like hallelujah <laughs> something's it getting was, through to them <laughs> yeah. yeah I know it was so lovely and then I emailed her after the student and I said like you have absolutely blown me away with your attitude like you're so so mature and so supportive I said please please keep hold of this attitude and don't ever let it fade mm. take it back with you after lockdown and it's just it was lovely they were so supportive and so wonderful bless them so I hope that they um, benefited from it I hope I think they did mm. and talking about lockdown and, and the pandemic how has that been for you because I mean it's one thing for you to be fast-tracked to the teaching world but to then have to navigate it in a pandemic how's that been for you yeah I mean it's been pretty mad to be honest mm. I thought oh it'd be, you know it'd be quite nice being at home and teaching from home you won't have to manage behavior in the classroom and have like kids kicking off and whatever um but it's it it has been really really difficult it has been really difficult because we've had to we had to monitor engagement through this like spreadsheet and who which kids were doing work which kids were engaging and a lot of kids didn't engage for various reasons you know they didn't send work they didn't contact or reply to teachers you know parents weren't replying to teachers and I think for me there were there were specific students that I really really worried about I worried about them before the pandemic but a lot of them found it really really difficult um and anxiety provoking and I think that it will have an impact on their well-being and yeah how they feel about school and and the world I think after this so it has it has been quite a challenge and not being able to directly support them and check in with them face to face it was pretty mad and of course I had those keyboard warriors during my lessons on teams that would like just say random shit on the chat and just oh just awful honestly do you feel like because you know how you were saying you your goal and you strive to be this um empathetic and supportive safe space for for kids do you feel like you almost had some sort of I don't want to say lack because of course you weren't lacking but you weren't getting to fulfill that properly but because of the pandemic because you weren't getting to physically be there one-to-one with them yeah 100 percent it's it was so difficult so um one of my roles that I've recently taken on in the school is is young carers, which I'm splitting with another teacher because um, I've also taken on deputy head of house. Kind of flex. <laughs> <laughs> um, we started our support for young carers properly during lockdown and had to somehow reach out to them and get an idea of numbers and who needed support and different responsibilities and it was so difficult because we couldn't go and see those students in school and say you know reach out and give our support and we didn't even have an idea of numbers of young carers in the school so that has been a massive challenge that we don't have that face-to-face um communication with them and it's all had to be done over email or teams or phone call it's worrying yeah it's worrying bless them do you feel like you're gonna have like obviously you're um like emotionally invested in the children but do you feel like you're almost gonna have to like pick up the slack now post like when you know as the kids have now come back to school like there's so so much like emotional things that have gone on gone on at home but also because they haven't done all the work and stuff you've got so much more work to do now that they've come back do you have you already felt that yeah I suppose I think for me the priority has been their well-being and I've said this to them I said please do not worry if you didn't do work over lockdown or you managed a couple of lessons I'm not bothered and I don't know about other subjects but English we just cracked on with new stuff and we've done we've basically just done this project um which is hopefully a kind of gentle reintroduction into English and into school so we haven't come straight back into learning or try to fill or close the gaps mm. I don't think that's going to be helpful um, or productive for anyone thing is the thing that is worrying is there were children that were quite behind anyway before lockdown and that mm. gap has just you know strengthened and widened even more for example reading ages like I've got kids in my tutor group who are year seven and um, who have reading ages of six or seven years old 
which is in the middle of primary. Mm. That's got even worse because of lockdown. You know, they don't have reading books. They don't want to do the work. So it is a struggle in getting them back into the routines and back into the style of learning um, because a lot of them have had three, four months off. Mm. At at the moment, it's it's well-being and it's behaviour and it's teaching them how to behave and, and, yeah, learn. You've spoken a lot about how the children are doing in school, but I wanted to ask more about how you been because obviously we're we're best friends we talk fairly regularly and you know every time I speak to you I feel like you've taken on more work more responsibility at work and I just wonder like do you have time for yourself like how have you or do you feel like you cope better when you've got more going on to kind of distract yourself yeah I think you know as well I'm I'm one of these people that just takes things on just to be really really busy um I like being busy and I I respond well when I have lots and lots on but also I'm one of these people that um can easily work myself to the ground I tend to get to a stage where I I do uh become ill because I'm working too much but I have learned to manage that much more so I give myself a deadline where I work at school till five o'clock and then I leave my laptop there in the week um, and then come back and just enjoy my evenings. I don't work on a Saturday and then I'll do work on a Sunday. So I've got marking to do um, this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it's a process. And I think the more experienced I am, it will become easier and I'll be able to manage my workload more and more and more um, and not say yes to everything. Can I just say you sound like the most organised and disciplined teacher I've ever met of what you said where you leave it at five you don't work on a Saturday that I think that's incredible that you've set those ground rules for yourself because I think a lot of people when they start teaching and this isn't a disrespect to any teachers who don't do this because I think it's incredible I think I think you're all underdogs for sure and I think you know the way that however you get through it you get through it but so many people that I know they do take it home with them it doesn't end at five and it is all weekend you know I think it's it's very good that you're able to already do that for yourself and I hope that that continues for you yeah I mean recently there are times when I when I work past five and I have I have done since we've been back after lockdown I have been working past five I stay till six um I get in early so I'm still doing 11 hour days in the week I get in at quarter past seven so if if I don't if I don't finish at five half five six I would just be ill I'd just be absolutely exhausted so I need it's really important that I have that mental space to try and switch off um but I'm always I'm always thinking about teaching it comes into my head all the time it's it's all consuming and, and that's something that I had no idea of until I became a teacher it is insane like how exhausting it is it's mad but the more you put in the more more you'll get out and as I said before I'm in I'm so so honored to be gifted with this position that I'm in it's absolutely amazing like I have the opportunity to change lives and support lives and support life to grow and I think there's there's nothing that god Alice you keep making me cry today. no but I'm not I'm not even oh. doing it to like take no, a piss I, I, or like I, be I all know. cliched like it's so it's so true like it is or lives that I care about so so much and not even like for me I'm always drawn to the naughty shitty boys like, I just love them they make me howl they're so nasty and I just love it. I'm like, give me more, like challenge. It. <laughs> you know? So even that, like, you know, if if I isolate a kid one day and I'll see him in isolation and I'm like, look, what are we going to do with you? Because at the moment this is not working between us. Like I can't give you any more than, I, than I'm giving you at the moment. And then he comes the next day and he puts his hand up to answer a question. I'm like, this is why I do my fucking job. Like, this mm. literally I, I care mm. so much about them I care mm. so much mm. and I'm sure by you like having that kind of frank conversation with them and like you know one-on-one yeah probably you know shows them that you've got that respect for them and yeah that's probably why it's reciprocated and that's you know that doesn't happen with all teachers I remember you telling me that you were starting your teacher training and it just kind of clicked in my head I was like this is actually perfect for you. Like I can really imagine you in a classroom because you've got such a good balance between being fun and joking around and, 
you you know that sarcasm that wit but also really cracking the whip like I could I can imagine being in your classroom sort of being on like oh that's a bit scary but we love miss like she's great you know like knowing knowing that kind of that you've got a boundary you're I think you if I wish I could be a fly on the wall in your lessons I think it'd be brilliant I feel like you've got the perfect balance of being fun and assertive like I think yeah try yeah I try yeah and as feedback has been really nice because we've had so many observations obviously um over the past year or so and that's something that has been picked up is that I can't remember what they call it um warm something warm strict or warm firm or something like that um, right which is what I want you know mm. I, I want them to feel safe I want us to have a laugh I love it that's why I love year 10 and year 11 um because you can have that relationship that bouncy relationship but at the same time they know not to take the piss and yeah, they respect they're gonna know about it unfortunately yeah. Yeah. so you say that you um you get home you've got these boundaries for yourself what do you do in your spare time have you got anything else going on on the side that you might be writing or (laughs) (laughs) um so during lockdown well last lockdown first lockdown which was like yeah last year or so ago um I started writing this blog and the idea behind this was that I love expressing myself and I feel like I'm quite I'm quite flat I I really like to write. I like to write and I've never really had an outlet of, of doing it. And I just thought, I really want to start a blog and I want to see what happens. So I started this blog. Um, I think it was before lockdown, but I started posting them during lockdown. And it was mainly like reflections for me as well on starting teaching and different funny moments that had happened during teaching that I wanted to document so I can look back um, in years to come and think, oh my God, I know exactly who that student is. And I remember <laughs> felt like at that time there was that really inappropriate comment and I started writing it and I and I showed it to friends and I showed it to you Jess I think I sent mm. it and I said do you think I should start posting these and and people like they're funny they're good and I like making people laugh and I like um writing so I thought that I'd try and mix the two and just posted posted a few blog posts. So. Jess, Jess sent me the link before this episode when we were prepping for this episode. And um, I I had my headphones on because my I think it was my brother or my dad. They were watching something. So I was like, right, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do something so that I'm not interfering with them. I'll be quiet. And Jess sends me the link and I click on it and I was like, right, I'll go to the first entry. I won't read all of them because I want to be able to ask you questions and I don't know all the answers. I burst out laughing so loud on the first entry I thought it was hysterical I really encourage all of our listeners to go and read this blog because it's so funny you're so um you're blunt about everything and dry and witty but it's so funny because I was saying to just before this to me it was almost like a reflection or um, a representation of what a teacher is thinking when they're getting like I, I just imagined you in a classroom being you know all professional but inside boiling and literally going through a door shutting it and then exploding and I thought this must be the brain and mindset of all teachers right here and it's so entertaining I wish this would be made into a book oh, mm. thank you I've I've absolutely loved um writing about it and and reading it back and kind of reliving those experiences because such funny stuff happens in the class um, <laughs> that you just couldn't even you couldn't even make up like it's mad and I really wanted to remember those memories because that's also such a beautiful side of teaching mm. I think it gets lost you know in all the shit and all the sludge and the marking and the workload these little just bursts of light and energy and just like inappropriate stuff <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even cope with some of it but yeah, um, your blogs your blogs and it's not just all all like really crude humor and stuff I feel yeah. like there are some really lovely um sweet moments in there and I think it really reflects you as a person I think yes. that's literally you in writing and yeah really encourage anyone even if you if you're a teacher I think you'd really relate to it oh 100 I, I challenge to you and... to not relate to this because I just think it's 
it's just so spot on it's so and I'm not even a teacher but I know it's completely accurate I just think it's so yeah. funny even when it's moments where you're talking about how and I, I can't remember if this was in the particular blog that I'd uh, read but I know that you've definitely mentioned it on social media and stuff where you've spent weeks teaching a child or, or a class a certain lesson and then you're marking their work and it couldn't be further from what you've been teaching them and you're like oh, what is this? honestly like the shit that I find in their books like I was marking god love them I was marking year 10 books the other day and um really neat lovely beautiful book gorgeous girl and um it was uh features features of an informal letter and I remember teaching them and I was like you know use um informal colloquial language but don't use slang so lol lmao all that stuff and and they make them laugh when when I say that and so I was looking back at her notes and really beautiful looking through it oh yeah lovely really really pretty um and then it said final bullet point do not use slag she's right you don't use a slag <laughs> uh, you don't use slag in an informal letter um but I just I left it I was like I'm not going to correct the spelling I was like I'm just going to move on from there there's bigger fish to fry but yeah bless him I just sit there and chuckle marking their books love them <laughs> have you had any other teachers read it so you sent it to um friends to read did you send it to your teacher friends yeah, my my mentor's read it. She loves it. And um, the teacher that I mentioned earlier, he has read it and he's very dry and witty and so intelligent. So, so intelligent. And he's a teacher that I really aspire to be like. Um, but I, I don't think I will ever be. He's so calm and quiet and soft. I'm just honesty, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, but he read it and he was like, it's brilliant. And I was like... Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> um, but I actually had um, a student the other day. This is this student I mentioned quite a lot in the blog. He is just the bane of my life, but he's actually quite hilarious. I just can't help but like it. Um, he said to me the other day, he was like, Miss, you are so loud. He said, if I was wearing headphones, I would still hear you. And he was like, kept going, just turn it down. Turn it down. You're so loud. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what did he get for that? <laughs> oh, no, I was like, yeah, fairs, fairs. <laughs> um, and he said, oh, whenever you get too loud, um, can I tell you to turn it down? And I was like, look, if that's going to help you and keep you in the classroom, then yeah, yeah. Please, as please. long as I get to do the same to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless so, them. They are funny. So, do you have um, any like goals in your teaching career? Is there um, a higher position that you want to progress to or something? slightly different yeah it's it's interesting I so I could I could go down kind of a departmental route so English specific stuff so you know head a department that way or stuff to do with literacy or anything like that or I could go down a more of a pastoral route you could kind of mix the two but um, it depends kind of which positions and I have been thinking you know, over the last year or so being in teaching, I love the pastoral side of things. I love those kids that need that extra support and and are a little bit bubbly and a bit bouncy. Like those are the kids that I'm drawn to, you know, the kids that are beautiful and do their work and they're lovely. I love them too, obviously, but the little shits, I just love them. They're just, they're lush. They're so so full of energy and so full of personality. And if you can get them to stay and do some work when they wouldn't usually, it's just amazing, honestly. I'm sure they make their job less boring as well. I mean, if you had all perfect kids, as great as that would be, what I mean, it's not challenging. No, definitely. That's what I like. I like a challenge. So I've always thought that I, I would love to go down the pastoral side of things. But I also do, I find safeguarding really interesting. So safeguarding those children that are vulnerable um and you know managing that sort of things I I would love to have training in in safeguarding further down the line but if I carry on so obviously a deputy head of house now role so if I kind of went down the head of house role um you know whenever that would be safeguard you can be trained in safeguarding um Mm head of house level so that might be a nice link um in that but we'll see we'll see what see what comes up and what about what about with the uh with the blog is that something that you're hoping to develop more um I would love to write more regularly and 
I would absolutely love to write a book and I don't know why but I've been thinking about it more recently I just should I really Mm. do I think it would be brilliant because you can get self-published easily yeah yeah I would love I would love to write a book um I just want to continue writing but at the moment I don't really have a lot of time I Mm. I I took it up obviously last year when we you know when no one was really working or people working from home more and I had more time I started I was writing poetry as well which I really enjoyed which was obviously the complete Mm. other end to blog um I remember you sending them to me and not telling me what it was about yeah and I was interpreting it in such a different way to you but I felt like you really enjoyed that because you were like I really didn't see that the angle of it and I, I love mm. that I love how um ambiguous it is yeah well, I'm really hoping now that the future is looking like you're getting all of the pastoral levels that you want and stuff but I'm really really hoping from a selfish point of view that this is a lot of literature for us <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like would, volume yeah. one and two like first years of teaching and then a volume of pandemic teaching oh this yeah <laughs> I would I would love I would love to keep writing and I would love at some point to um write a book or write some sort of some sort of thing yeah I, re- I do really enjoy it if you weren't a teacher do you have any other careers that you would want to go into I mentioned earlier didn't I about when I was working with older people um in mm. team and that's something that I thought I would go into you know I, I wanted to study um to be a doctor and then I looked at masters in neuroscience and memory um and to go down that side of things it was amazing I learned so much um from that place from you and I absolutely loved it so I yeah probably something medical doctor or um yeah going into research maybe or something I just keep thinking back to when we were at uni together and how organized and everything you're coming across now but all I had in my mind earlier was your room (laughs) at uni which was just an absolute tip like you've never seen anything like it there was like food on the floor there was like plates and cutlery no absolutely horrific and I think I've said to you like I have this one memory that stands out that kind of it was really a moment of kind of realization for me and and it made me just stop and kind of evaluate my life and my life choices is I walked into my uni room and I skidded and slipped on a plate <laughs> and just went arse over tear and I thought no things need to change they need to improve because no, but, this is unacceptable but I, what I love is that if you find something that you are so passionate about and you absolutely love, then you go like full steam ahead into it and you throw yeah. everything of yourself into it. But if there's something that you're not, you're not really that bothered about, then it's just, just gets it. <laughs> I think so many people can relate to that though. I think that's such a relatable thing. Yeah. No, it's pretty yeah. Hard. I mean, the, yeah, the difference between uni me and and current me is quite stark actually you couldn't yeah the two wouldn't be friends I don't think (laughs) (laughs) um so we like to dedicate each episode to a charity or an organization so what have you chosen today so I mentioned earlier about um empathy week which which is something that I um led this year in the school that I'm working in and it's an organization that aims to develop um, students empathy skills resilience leadership organization through um, exposing them and giving them the opportunity to learn about real life individuals and and barriers that they faced in in everyday life so what was covered in empathy week this week uh, this year was cultural identity racism black lives matter there was an amazing story about um uh, a man who had to seek asylum and and gain refugee status and so empathy week is is a, a lovely thing and I think it's a really powerful thing and I really really enjoy doing it with the students so empathy week is is one of the things that I wanted to talk about and kind of mention and then off the back of that uh one individual that the students and, and I learned about was a man called Hussein who lives in London now and he created this small company and at the time it was this year it was only him working working for them um and it's called Kate Mentors which 
now I know stands for um, creative alternative paths for education and it basically provides tutoring and mentoring for students who have either been um, permanently excluded from school or they're at risk of exclusion so it provides one-to-one support um, for them to get back on the path to education um, by nurturing that relationship between the mentor and the tutor and the student Um, and it's close to my heart because there are you know quite a few students in the school now that I teach currently who are at risk of exclusion and are constantly in and out Mm. station and the hope that they've lost for themselves um, is really really interesting and quite disheartening and I think Kate Mentors is is amazing the idea of it because it's someone flying a flag for those students and saying mm. the last hope for them and there is a way back into education um for them so yeah so so how can people find out more about them so is it katementors.com where they yeah. can read up more yeah about yeah. their services and and what they do and then um also the same with empathy week yeah so empathy week um if you just type empathy week in online then it will just come up with the website so every year there is an empathy week and it's just been so in end of february i think it was march and we just had empathy week i think it's the second year that they've done it but it's free for all uh, state schools to register um their Mm -hmm. school to do um private schools have to pay for it but all the resources so all the lessons all the stories all the lesson plans um are provided and they're differentiated for for ages and and key stage so it's all provided for you um and you just have to facilitate that with the students the support's amazing like I emailed the bloke Ed Cohen who initiated it and he replied really quickly and and was fantastic and it's it's I think it's such an amazing program and I think that so many students would benefit from uh, taking part in it. Great so everyone should go check that out and especially if you're a teacher as well see if you can implement that into your school. Um, So the last question that we like to ask all of our guests is what makes up your circle? I've got a group of amazing friends who I know from Cardiff and when I lived in Cardiff and uni um, and obviously I've got my teaching friends now who are kind of my um, new circle I suppose in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. so lots and lots of different people um, around me and my mum I'm really close to as well and my girlfriend Abby as well yeah I'm yet to meet but I'm excited I know know. (laughs) yeah pandemic pandemic life um (laughs) lots of um lovely supportive people um around me amazing well thank you so much for joining us today we've loved having you on and we can't wait to have you back on especially when you're making all your books oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so if anyone would like to check out her blog you can go into the links in our description which will be across all of our platforms and um, please make sure to like and subscribe to this youtube channel make sure to stream on spotify and apple podcasts and we'll see you for our next episode thank Bye. you <laughs>